Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor here on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. So happy that you're with us today, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest with us, we're honored that you're with us. I always invite our guests to come at least three times. Everybody say three times. Yeah, it's important because I know that when I go to a new place, I don't get the best experience on the first experience. And so we're just asking, come back at least three times, check us out. Hopefully we would be your spiritual family is kind of the language we use here. And so we're excited that you made it out today. I also want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live. So happy that you're joining us uh, in digital land, maybe in your PJs, maybe you're at a separate time. We're just so happy that you're here with us. Also, if you have Facebook, will you do me a favor? Take out your phone. You're like, can I have my phone in church, Pastor? Yes. And so uh, we're going to actually check in and let people know you're here. One thing that we've uh, found that when we check in on Facebook, it's actually created some great conversation. People are like, wow, you go to that church? I, I didn't want to check it out, and I didn't want to go by myself. And how many of y'all know it's easier to go with someone to when you're checking out someplace new, you kind of feel a little more secure. And so you can do that. Go and check in right now. We're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18 to start off in the Old Testament, and then we're going to jump to the New Testament. Uh, but before we get started real quick, I just wanted to take a second this weekend and honor all of our military veterans in here and a part of our church. And um, I wanted to read something for for you, and, and this is every time I think of a, uh, of a veteran who has served in our armed forces and, uh, and has really done the, the, the most that they could for our country and for our freedom, I always think of this verse, and I wanted to read it for you, and it says, greater love has no man, uh, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And I, I, I am so honored to be a pastor in a church where they call it Military City, because we have all of the branches of our government represented in our city, and it is one of the greatest honors of my life to pastor a church with many people who have served in the armed forces. And if you are a veteran in here, we're going to take just 10 seconds real quick and honor you. Will you help me honor all of the veterans that serve in our armed forces in this church and around the country and around the world? Come on, make some noise for you and your families. We love you. We love you. And, um, man, just so, so thankful for you guys. Thank you so much for all that you do and all the families that make a sacrifice. You know, I know so I talked to a lady the other day, and she, I said, you know, her husband serves in the military. And I said, thank you for your service, too. You, you serve just as much as he does. You serve, you sacrifice, you give. And so we're honored that you're in here. But uh, on, on, on getting back to Vision Weekend, we are in a two-part series called Vision 2020. Everybody shout Vision. Vision's important because vision gives you an idea of where we're going, where you're seeing, where you're looking. And so we wanted to kind of talk about it as a church, kind of what we're doing and what God has been doing in the last uh, really year of our church. We've only been open for about a year, and God has been doing just an incredible work uh, here at our church. And uh, last week we talked about how anytime God has a miracle to work in your life, he likes to bridge the gap between your faith that God can do something and your miracle moment typically is bridged by this little thing called faith faithfulness, that there's this this way that God uses us and does a miracle through us and not just to us. Come on, right? And that like he likes to see our faith and that oftentimes it's bridged by our faithfulness. So last week was really good. We talked about digging a ditch and obeying even though you don't fully understand and starting small. You have to go back and look and listen to the podcast. The pastor who preached it, I'm telling you, he has good hair. And so I'm telling you, go check it out. And so it's awesome and uh, you can find it on all of the streaming platforms. But uh, today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter number 18. Now before I 
read this, I want to give you some context. The Old Testament has a book in the Bible called 1 Samuel, and it talks about really the primary, the, the, there's some major characters. There's David, there's Jonathan, there's Saul, and David is in this moment. He is, or he is the David that you're, you know about, the David and Goliath David, and he's already killed Goliath, and Saul's taking him now into his court, and David's responsibility, you know what his job is, is he's to be the worship leader, so he plays music for Saul. He refreshes Saul, and he refreshes him in the king's court. And Saul has a son named Jonathan. And as, listen to me, this is important. As David is introduced into a new family, not by blood, but by something else, he finds new meaning. In fact, he finds new life and new blessing in this new family. I'm going to read it for you. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 18, and this is important. We'll read it, and it says, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, this is David, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. This is important. The, the, the soul of Jonathan and the soul of David were knit together, not because they were blood, they were brothers by by blood in their in their veins. They were knit together by covenant that 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 they they chose to walk together, unified together. And it says Jonathan loved him as his own soul. How many of y'all have ever noticed that the closer you walk with someone, the more you love them? The more you're connected to them. Now I know about your stuff. Now you know about my stuff. There's something that happens in a relationship when we get connected that all of a sudden our souls are knitted. And I like this. And Saul took him to that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Again, he welcomed him. And then Jonathan, I like this. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him. He said, listen, because we're walking together, we're, we're, we're now going to have a covenant. Anytime you have a covenant, there's blood that's, 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 that happens in between the covenant, the agreement that we're going to... We're going to now walk together. And the blood was something that signified the covenant. This is so good. And he goes on in verse 4, and Jonathan stripped himself of his robe. Everybody say robe. This is important. We're going to come back to this. The robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and even his, his belt. So he gave him all these things from him. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. I think it's interesting that the Bible says he was successful after he made covenant with a friend. He was successful after he made covenant, agreed to walk in unity, agreed to walk in covenant with another person. Now turn with me to the New Testament, if you will, Matthew chapter 16. By the way, if you need my notes, they're in the, a, a Bible app called Version Bible app, and I'll give you all my notes ahead of time and so you can see where I'm going. But Matthew chapter 16, and if you don't have we're going to put it up. And it says this. This is the New Testament. This is Jesus asking uh, the, the disciples who, who they think he is. Who they think this man Jesus is. It's if Jesus was sitting in front of you and asking you, who do you, who do you think I am? Who do they say that I am? But who do, who do you say? And he says this. This is Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Like something happened where you got connected to the divine and the divine literally revealed this to you. And he says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. I like that. Anytime you get connected with Jesus, all of a sudden he seems to strengthen you. He seems to fortify you. All the things that used to bother you, all the things that used to bring you down. Isn't that interesting? How the closer you get to Jesus, the stronger you seem to be. That's, a, that's, a, that's like a, a, an incentive if you're in here and you don't know Jesus. That's an incentive to love him because he seems to make you stronger. And he says this, and upon this rock I will build my, this is important, this is super important. If you checked out, check back in. I will build my, everybody say that with me, say church. I will build my church. That, that Jesus 
promised and all through Scripture to build one thing, his church. He said, I'm going to build my church on, on you, Peter, and, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I like that. All the powers of hell aren't going to come up against it. There's going to be things that are going to try to bother you. There's going to be things that are going to try to irritate you that you're, you should have been taken out by, but because I built my church, you won't. And so today, with that as our backdrop, uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about what the church is and what it should be and what God designed it to be. With that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I pray that today, Holy Spirit, this would be a, a, a mile marker moment inside Rise Church. That, God, we would all learn together and figure out the vision, God, you have for us. We're not here on accident. We're here on purpose. And I pray that no matter what I've prepared, God, you have a special message for each and every person in this place. We ask you to speak now. Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. When I say the word church, what, what comes to your mind? I, mean, I really want you to think about it. Like when I, when I say the word church, what, what comes to your mind? Have you noticed that, that there are a lot of things that come to your I'll give you my, my example. I'll give you my experience. I'll give you what I grew up on, maybe. I'll give you what I was always used to or maybe growing up, and maybe some of you can relate. I grew up in, in a very, very legalistic um, denomination of, of the Christian faith. I grew up in a church where there was not a lot of smiling, but there was a lot of what they call holiness. I grew up in a church where there was not a lot of uh, freedom. There was a lot of rules. There was a lot of issues. There were a lot of people who had problems. It was funny. It was like, it was like all of the things that you wanted to in your life. You can take that down. I'm not even there yet. And so a lot of the things that we're trying to figure out inside church was, was, was misconstrued because we had people, we had churches designing things. Almost, it almost seemed like they designed church to keep people out. If that makes sense. Like, I grew up, I'll just give you an example, okay? Like, how many of y'all grew up with the felt board inside uh, the Christian class? Come on, do y'all remember the felt board? And you had it, like, where they had Jonah, and they, he always looked weird, you know, on the felt board. And he had, like, and all of the, have you noticed all the Bible characters on the felt board looked the same? You know what I'm saying? It didn't matter. You're talking about Jonah, Jesus, Judas. It was all the same. There's like, it's all, it's all the same person. I think it was, like, the Sunday school. Y'all remember Sunday school? Come on. Right? We had that. We had, I grew up in a church where the front row, ain't nobody could sit on the front row unless you were over 80, you know? And you had to look kind of hateful. You had to have white hair, look hateful. You had to look like you weren't happy to be there. And you had to pinch all the young kids that walked by. Anybody get pinched by an old lady at church? Come on. I grew up in a church where they wouldn't let uh, men have beards or have, you know, hair on their face. They, you know, even though Jesus had hair on his face and they plucked it from him, it was like, what was that? That's, that's sinful. I don't understand. I grew up in a church where ladies, y'all, how come on ladies, y'all ladies in here, right? Like they, they wouldn't let you, you, you do anything to your hair except for permit. Somehow that was holy. The perm was holy. I'm like, how did the perm get graduated into the law? And all of a sudden, that's okay. You couldn't have makeup. You couldn't wear earrings. Y'all couldn't, you know, sometimes you need to paint the barn. It's all good, you know. They didn't think that, though, you know. And it was like, is that okay? I lost y'all. Okay, I'll keep going. Uh, uh, they, <laughs> y'all are, this is a tough crowd. Okay, anyway, we had, we had prayer cloths, y'all. We had like eight-hour-long eight worship services. Come on, we had church every day. Y'all remember that? Every day of the week? 
So you had church on Sunday, then you had prayer meeting on t- Monday, you had men's meeting on Tuesday, you had another church service on Wednesday, then you had choir practice and pro- choir prayer on Thursday. Come on, anybody else? And on Friday, then we just had a potluck because you had to eat. It's like we, we didn't, we cared about all the other sins except for gluttony. We just like, hey, we're just going to eat and we're just going to praise God. And then we had peanut brittle making on Saturday morning and then we came back and did it on Sunday. And I remember it was like for, for most of us inside of our, our, our church, we had to wear suits and ties. Y'all remember the three-piece suit world? Come on, some of y'all in here in sandals. You're like, thank you, Jesus. We're free. <laughs> you know, and uh, we had pews. Y'all remember pews? Y'all get to sit in chairs that have cushions. Come on. I grew up in a church where, where you, didn't, you didn't understand the word community. It was us four no more. Now, it, it doesn't matter what I, I really think about church or how I grew up. How, how do you think about church is the question you got to ask yourself. Maybe when you think about church and, 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 and what it's like to be in church and, and what it feels like to have church, maybe you think of this. This is maybe a couple of your, your thoughts. The first one is maybe it's, you feel judged. You ever been to that church where you walk in and you feel like, man, as soon as you walked into it, you, you were not good enough to be here, right? It was the country club mentality. You felt like, man, the moment I walked in, I felt judged. I felt like I wasn't good enough. I felt like I did not belong. Maybe you, when you think of church, you think of the word, you hear rules, you hear, you hear regulation, you hear legalism. You, you kind of relate to maybe how I grew up with. We, we didn't really do well with fun, but we did well with like, like making people miserable. And you felt like, man, when you grew up, you felt like, man, the whole world was wrapped around whether or not you could accomplish the rules. Or maybe when you hear the word church, you, you, you think of pain. Maybe you come from a church that hurt you. Maybe just the fact that you're sitting in this seat right now, you're, you're, you're kind of nervous because you're waiting for me to offend you because a pastor had offended you. Maybe there was a church or a denomination or a person in the church or somebody on that staff or somebody who didn't treat you right and someone didn't think about you right. Maybe they treated you wrong and maybe you're right. And now that you feel like because you hear the word church, all you think of is, is pain. Maybe to summarize the church experience for all of us would probably be this. Uh, in my opinion, it would be uh, you do, you don't, or, or you're toast, right? And, and that's, that was like the motto of all of our church. But the question that we really must ask ourselves is not what we think of the church. It's what, what, did, what did Jesus intend the church to be? What did Jesus intend the, the church to be? I like this in Matthew chapter 16. He says this, Matthew chapter 16. He says, Simon Peter, you answered, you're right. He said, you're right. You're you the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And I like this, how Simon answers. He says, you, you're Jesus. You're the Christ. You're the reason for all of this. And then I like Jesus' answer. He goes, okay, you're right. Perfect, Simon. You got it. Gold star, A plus. Upon this rock, I'm going to build my, my church. He says, here's how the church is going to be. It's going to be a gathering of people. In fact, the word church there in the Greek is ekklesia. It literally means a gathering of people. It means I'm going to gather around a people. Our church is going to be literally an assembly and a gathering of people. You might not know that. You might have thought church was an organization. You might thought church was a denomination. You might thought church was a building. Church at its core, what Jesus always meant it to be, was a gathering and assembly of people. And it's not just a gathering and assembly of people. Because if you go back and read another life of Jesus in the book of John, John highlights it for us about exactly what it's supposed to feel like. Church is not supposed to be a bunch of friends. We're not supposed to be a bunch of colleagues. 
We're not supposed to be a bunch of people hanging out, hoping to make it. John highlights what the church should be in John chapter 1. He says this to all who believed him and accepted him. So he starts off, he says, for everyone who believes Jesus is the Messiah. As you guys gather around, here's what happens. He gave the right to become children. I say children. Children is a language of family. Period. Children is a language of family. So if we had to summarize, this is literally the summary of what Jesus was saying of what the church should be. The church is a local church. The local church is a gathering of family members that believe Jesus is the Messiah. That you are in here and we are in here together and we gather together because we believe Jesus is who he says he was. That's what we believe he is. Not only that, that there's now a way also that the church should live out its life. So now that Jesus determines what the church is, then he, deter- he shows us what the church does. If you go to Matthew chapter 28, where he ends, he's at the end of his life, he's about to leave this earth. He gives the charge to the church. So he says, here's what you're going to do, because I can't just establish it. I got to show you what you're going to do, because without me, you're left being us for and no more and caring about no one else, because you'll think self-preservation rather than let's go change the world. So he says, let's be clear about what you're supposed to do. Matthew chapter 20 says, 28, he says, therefore, go. Everybody say, go. Yeah, and then he says, make. Everybody say, make. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus establishes what the church is. Then he establishes what the church does. We are called to go and to make. So that's our mission here at Rise. So maybe you're new here. Maybe you've never been to this church. Maybe you just started coming. Maybe you've been here for just a few, a little bit, maybe a few months. You need to know what we're all about. What we're all about is to reach people and to build lives. Now, we stole that from Jesus. I figured if you're going to steal anything from anybody, maybe it'd be Jesus. So we didn't need to make a new mission for the church. We don't have a mission statement that says, hey, we're going to do what we want to do. We're going to do what the pastor wants to do. We're going to do what the staff wants to do. We're going to do what the elders want to do. We're going to do what the mean people on the front row who, have, who are pinching everybody want to do. We're going to do what Jesus said for us to do, which is to go and to make, which is, means to reach people and to build lives. Like, that's our mission, and we take it very seriously. So for us as Rise Church, if you want to summarize who we are, we're spiritual family on mission. We're spiritual family on mission. So if you want to be a part of the church, you're not going to be, the, be able to be there. You're going to eventually be uncomfortable just coming and seeing. You're going to be bothered by it because I'm going to poke you because I'm going to be like a spiritual doctor. I like to find the bruises, and, and then I, what I like to do is I like to poke it. Does that hurt? Because I want us to be on mission, not because I think it's a good idea, but because I think it was God's idea. And, and he wants us to be on mission, and we have to take it very, very seriously. But what happens when you become on mission and you become a family, here's the main thing that happens. You get responsibility. Have you noticed that? Have you ever been in a family? Maybe you grew up in a family. Maybe you're creating family right now. Have you noticed that the more you're in a family, the more responsibility you have? I like what Jonathan did with David there in, in 1 Samuel chapter 18. He says, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul, and then he gave him his robe. You need to know this. Robe back then meant inheritance and blessing, but it also meant responsibility. One of the main things it meant was that you no longer are of you. You're now of me and of our family, and now you have responsibility. 
I like that because really what it highlights for us is the way God was designing the church and for our, our family. When it comes to an organization, you always have rights. That's why when you go to the gym and you pay dues, you have a right to work on the elliptical, to drink a smoothie. That's what I do. But when you're in a family, you have responsibilities. You don't have rights. That's not how it works. You don't pay dues to be inside of a family. You're in the family. Jesus already died. In fact, we wrapped around covenant. Remember I told you covenant always has to do with blood? Jesus' blood was spilled. You and I are in covenant together. You're not in contract. We're in covenant. Jesus' blood was spilled. We're together. We agree now. Jesus is the Messiah. Let's go do something. We're on mission. That's how it works. And so since we have responsibility, it makes sure that we understand as family, as the older we get, the more mature you are in Christ, the more responsibility you have. I always laugh at people who have been in church for long periods of time and come to me and try to change church or change our methods and how we do things to reach those who don't know Jesus because they're frustrated that they're not getting their needs met. And I always laugh at them. I said, that's like a dad going, being frustrated that we're taking care of the kids. I'm sorry, even in your own family, the older people always sacrifice for the good of the younger people. And if you have kids in here, that makes total sense to you. Because when's the last time you watched a movie with them you liked? <laughs> you can only make Toy Story four or five thousand times. You always sacrifice. And the older you get, the more responsible. Right? That's the truth. I was sitting with my son, Kellen. He was, uh, my, my older boy, he's 11. And I said, son, it's time for you to take out the garbage. And he, he looked at me and he did what all kids do. He sighed. And then he said, why do I got to take out the garbage? How many of y'all had that conversation recently this week or on the way to church? Okay, great. He said, why do I have to take out the garbage? I said, son, here's why. Actually, I looked at him and I said, do you think I need you to take out the garbage? I don't need you to take out the garbage. You need you to take out the garbage. He goes, what do you mean, dad? I said, the older you get, son, the more things you're going to be doing around here. You want to know why? Because in a family, you have responsibility. Now, I don't ask your two-year-old baby brother to take out the garbage. Right? I don't ask him to do the things that I know older people in the family should take care of. Come on, you got, don't miss this. This is part of our vision. I don't ask the older people, I don't ask the younger people to do what mature, the more mature people in the family should do, should sacrifice for, should give towards, so that the younger people can get there. So what we don't do is church people. So if you've been here, so maybe you're in here, right? Okay. And you've been saved since Moses has been on the earth. <laughs> what you don't do is walk into the church and go, how do I get my right and my, my needs and my rights met? Well, you walk into the church and go, how can I find all the little, the immature babies of the church? I'm going to sacrifice for them so that they can grow. When they grow up, then they start putting in their responsibility. The church becomes healthy. Then we have family. Come on, y'all. And that's how great families work. When you don't do that and you give all of the, all of the blessing without the responsibility, you create needy, self-entitled, self-righteous people. So I, my promise to you is to never give you all that you want. You're welcome. Why? Because, because why? Why? We, we need to mature in Christ. So what are some of the responsibilities you can do here at, in your spiritual family? Well, one of the things that you could, just tangible responsibilities. Come in and come early. Come be a part of worship. And then don't complain about what style of worship it is. 
Here's a way you can sacrifice for the common good. You can be a regular giver with your finances. You can be a regular giver with your time or your talent. You can be a regular person who walks in thinking, I, don't ha- I have something to contribute, not something to take. Every organization, just so you know, every great organization is built on that principle. What can I give rather than take? Collectively. Next week, we start a brand new series called Thankful. Everybody say Thankful. We start a brand new series called Thankful. Here's a way you can do it. You could take a bunch of invites and take the responsibility of growing the family on your back and go out there and start inviting a bunch of people so that they could grow the family, so that we can bring in more babies and grow them up in the faith. Come on, that's the point anyway, right? That's what Jesus says. I'm going to build my church, and it's going to be a family because we're all invited into to be children of God. Now, as we close, I'm going to, I'm going to why stay on mission? Why does this mission matter? Why does this vision matter? Why does spiritual family matter? I'm not trying to be your friend. We're trying to be family. Because friends don't come to your bedside when you're at the hospital. Family does. I want to be family. We want to create family. And in families, they, when you're in a family, people are there for you, and you grow, and you reach your potential, even some of the potential that you feel like you may never have reached. Why do we stay on mission? Why is this church so important? Why is spiritual family so important? I'll show you right now. Uh, When we moved from Wisconsin to Texas, that's when we found, uh, we actually still were church hopping, trying to find somewhere to go, somewhere to belong, somewhere to feel like we had uh, friends and, and family, and then that's when we, we, I was driving home and I saw a yard sign for Rise and my uncle had uh, texted us and said, hey, we're gonna go check out this place called Rise. It's like, oddly enough, I just saw this yard sign. I was thinking the same thing. And so and it happened to be for launch. And so I talked to Monica about it and we're like, yeah, let's go, let's go try this one out too. And uh, from the moment we walked in through the doors, I mean, it was, it, it was just, immediately like we were family, like like they had known us for so long. And, uh, One of the biggest things that Josh was afraid of when we moved from Wisconsin to San Antonio was that my daughter and I wouldn't have, we don't make friends as easily as Josh, and of course Weston was only three, so that didn't really make a difference with him, but he was afraid for Kendall and I that we wouldn't find anybody and that we would have a hard time feeling like we fit in somewhere or making friends. So the fact that we found Rise and right away like we felt comfortable and I got goosebumps and I was like, you know, is this a sign? Like, is this where we're supposed to be? Transformation, when you talk about spiritual transformation, like as far as like where where I came from, I mean, I was a pastor's kid, you know, I've always known deep down that, you know, um, that I've always had this hunger for God, but at the same time, there's always been, I kind of distanced myself from God for a, a very, very long time. Uh, until, honestly, until I moved down here. And I kind of had this, uh, this urge to find a home, not for me, because I can fit in anywhere I go. I have, you know, that's just my personality. I can, I can find a place to fit, but really I wanted to find a place, like Monica mentioned earlier, is I wanted to find a place for, for Monica and Kendall more than anything, um, because I didn't want them to miss out. And I felt the, apologize. <laughs> I knew, I knew the responsibility I had to find a spiritual place so that my family could to know, to not just know of God, but really know God. And I, I think that that's, that's really what kept us here at Rise and, 
and what we found with Spiritual Family because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I knew I needed God, but I didn't know how to get closer to God because I felt so far from Him. And when I met with Pastor and I told him that, he took it to heart, surrounded Monica with, with women in the church that spoke life into her. And, and even with Kendall, she's just, I love her to death. And, and, and I know that she has a really hard time opening up and even with the, with the kids and youth and everything, and they've, they've really surrounded her with love and, and didn't just be like, you know, didn't just let us slide off, you know, slide out the back door. They, they really truly surrounded us with, with love. And, and when they say spiritual family, they absolutely 100% mean it. And that, that means the world to me because like I said, I couldn't have done it on my own. And, and that's what family does is they don't let you just do it on your own. You're not there alone. So my wife and I planted in uh, October, September, October last year, and we didn't know anybody at this city. We didn't plant, you know, this is not where I'm from. I'm from the Bay Area. Some of you are like, yeah, that makes sense. Kind of weird. Um, and, you know, we set out to create one thing, and that was spiritual family. I've been in church my whole life. I wasn't looking to create another church. To be quite honest with you, our city doesn't need another church. Our city needs a, a spiritual family for people to grow, for your family and for your kids. And we desire to leave a long legacy in this city. And we have a big vision, and every big vision takes miracle moments of faith. Yeah. It's just the way that it works inside the kingdom of God. And um, I wanted to invite my wife and uh, this is my wife, Erica. And, um, you know, just kind of talk a little bit about just kind of the steps of faith that we've had. Yeah, we've been on this journey for quite a long time. And before this was even here, God spoke and laid a dream and a vision inside of our hearts. And those moments of standing in my house, praising God that he is good when everything was going wrong, standing in faith, knowing that we stepped out in what God asked us to do and he was going to he was going to come through because he is faithful. And so we want to encourage you as we come together in this moment for the next season of rise. Because I don't know if you know this, God has a great and mighty plan for this city. And he's going to use every single one of us to touch so many lives. And I'm excited to stand here with you, to sacrifice with you. We are. We are excited to stand and sacrifice with each and every one of you. Because those moments that felt low and, and scary and almost like, what are we doing? God brings, brings his peace. And he shows us and tells us, because I am good. Take a step of faith and trust in me. And I will show you miracles in motion. We... Um... So we wanted to just kind of share with you, just give you some context to what we're believing for. Because I want to give you a vision. I want to give you a dream. I want to give you something we're going to believe by God, by faith. As you uh, get prepared now, uh, 
to give our miracle offering. If you're a guest with us for the very first time, hey, this is not for you, okay? So you're like, oh man, I came on the time and they were actually for money. <laughs> See, Elsa, I told you. No, 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 that's not, that's not what this is. And I promise you, this is not for you. It's for our church family. We've been, pra- we've been planning for this, okay? We've been, we've been leading up to this. This is not, this, this, is, this moment's not for you, but it is for you because we want you to have a place that you're gonna have for your kids and your family for generations. So this is for our church, spiritual church family. Um, what do we believe for? What do we believe in God for? Here's some context for our current area and where we're at. Um, most of my church consultants, and which by the way, I, I do some consulting on the side and, and for churches, and, uh, but most of the ones that I've asked and asked looked into, the board that I have at our church and uh, my pastors, I have not one, I have a bunch of them because I need them, you all know that. So like I, I have a we walk through like what's the what's the minimum amount we're going to need to make a permanent place and permanent stake inside of this Hell Lotus area, and most of them say ten acres, about ten acres, ten acres of undeveloped land in Hell Lotus. I want to give you some context real quick. Ten acres of undeveloped land costs about one point seven million on average. That's just nothing on it. It's just land. For developed land in Hell Lotus, it takes about three point two five million on average, um, depending on where you find it or what location that you're at. So if we wanted to work with just the minimums, let's just say we wanted to work with the minimum. We need about $3.25 million. Most banks would take about, you need about 20% to get a note of any commercial property. You need about 20% down. So about 20%, 3.25 million, we're looking for about $650,000 on minimum, really is what we're looking for, for we're believing God for in our vision moment, our vision offering. That's a big step. But I know that I serve a big God. It's easy to look at a mountain and think it's big before you look at the mountain you got behind you, it's bigger. And I serve a big God. I've seen him do more miracles than that. I looked at that number and I was like, that's kind of a lot, God. And I kind of, I felt, I'm not kidding you. I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit laugh. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I, that's it. I felt like that's what he said. That's it? That's all you need? Okay. But remember what I talked about last week. God always works through people. Yeah. He wants us to be a part of the miracle. And in these moments, we get to take a step of faith collectively. So my wife and I, we're taking a step of faith collectively. We're going to sacrifice collectively. We're going to believe collectively and know that God's going to be on the other side of that miracle. And so I wanted just to say for my wife and I, uh, how honored we are to be your pastors. How honored we are that you would sacrifice, that you would give. Um, We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. I always tell people that this is not my church and you are not my people. This is God's church. You are God's people. That's right. And we honor that, and I take that seriously. We give today because we believe heaven and hell are real. Eternity is a long time, and we're not playing games. This is a big deal. And so I thank you today for sacrificing and believing God. As you pray, I want you to take a moment right now before we're going to pray. I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God what you would, he would have us give collectively towards this need. What would he have us do? Um, don't give because I said to give. Don't give because you feel obligated. Give because God told you what you should give and obey him. Right. I just know God's always on the other side of his voice. That's right. So listen, obey, and let's see what God can do through Rise Church and Vision Amen. 2020. Amen.